Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com RLRC and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash R-L-R-C. Do you guys know what May 12th is? Sunday, May 12th? Mama's Day. That would be correct. It's Mother's Day. So let me ask you, do you basically get your mom the same gift every year for Mother's Day? Maybe some flowers, some chocolates, Mm -hmm. maybe a robe or a framed photo. Boring stuff, right? Right. Well, let me tell you about something that's totally cool and different for Mother's Day that will never wilt, spoil, or put an extra 10 pounds around her waist. I'm talking about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty unique. Cool, right? Right. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. Your mom can either type a response to the email or she can record her voice if she prefers cool. to do that, or she can do both. Cool. And mylifeinabook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book as well as an audiobook. And if you want, and she's up to the task technically, you know, the audiobook is a is a great extra thing to be able to do. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your future generations can treasure. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is kind of your chance to give her a way to share them. Every family is a little bit different. And in my family, we love to give each other a really hard time. So I've taken the approach in doing this of asking my mom to comment on some of those family moments that might be a bit embarrassing to other family members. Last week, my question was, mom, did you feel guilty that day you hit me over the head with your wooden clog and dad had to take me to the hospital for eight stitches? (laughs) Mom's response, back in the day, I was the disciplinarian of the house. And when you were eight years old, you refused to get out of Nancy's, that's my sister's, plastic kiddie pool. I told you 10 times to get out of the damn pool. You didn't listen. So I chased you around the yard. And when you slipped, I nailed you right on the head. That was the last time you got in that kiddie pool. Of course, dad had to lie to the ER and tell him that uh, that you fell on your head, but I nailed you good. The entire process with my life in a book is simple. 
And in the end, mom will have a great keepsake that can remain in your family for generations. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code RLRC at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code RLRC for 10% off today. Hey everyone, and welcome to Real Life for a Crime Daily for Wednesday, March 29th, and I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Never let it be said that Agavino does not pay off his bets. Those of you who have given me shit online can now take back all those bad things you've said <laughs> because Woody Overton has been compensated. Yes, and... It's much appreciated, and I understand that Drizzly.com delivered that to you. That was a Drizzly delivery to New Orleans. And so I got a case of Shiner Bach, and nothing's finer than an icy cold Shiner. I appreciate it, and y'all look on our social media for the pictures of that uh, today. I expect to be offered several of those, by the way. <laughs> You're offered all you want. Okay, thank um, you. But y'all, unfortunately, yeah, we not unfortunately, we like to joke and have a good time with a lot of these stories and stuff. But today, we come to you with a heavy heart. Um, a couple of tragedies we're going to start out with. And the first one is out of Baton Rouge. And our hearts absolutely go out to the families. Um, so I'm going to skip around a little bit, so just bear with me, okay? But... Two pilots were killed when a police helicopter crashed into a cane field in rural West Baton Rouge Parish. And y'all, the pilots were for Baton Rouge City Police Department. And I actually had a Baton Rouge City police officer uh, fishing in my pond. And when he got the, before it got released in the media, and he called me at the house and said, hey, we got two dead. And um, he said the helicopter pilots, and I automatically knew who one of them was going to be. Um, so I want to talk about the, this for a minute and then we'll get into the meat of the story. So it says Baton Rouge Police Officer Sergeant David Poirier, 47 years old, and Corporal Scotty Canizero, 38, died in a helicopter crash Sunday morning in the Port Allen area. Now, y'all, let me tell you about these. Uh, I'm not. I met Scotty Canzaro, but I didn't know him like I knew uh, David Poirier. David Poirier, before he went to Baton Rouge City, and all he ever wanted to do was be a helicopter pilot. Before he did that, he even worked for the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office and Denham Springs uh, City Police Department. Great guy, a fine, outstanding uh, career law enforcement officer who who ultimately gave his life in the service of all of us, right, and as well as, as Corporal Scott Canzara. But it, it's horrible and sad, and I'm going to read you some stuff, and I'm sure y'all know most of it, And but it's just important that we touch on it, okay? And um says an initial report sent to the Federal Aviation Administration preliminary said that the helicopter appeared to have struck a tree before it went down. The helicopter took off from Baton Rouge Metro Airport at 2.26 a.m. and crashed in a field nearly three miles away from 
the Omni Airport. Um, the helicopter was found around 11.30 a.m. after the pilots did not come home from work. There were no severe weather factors at the time. The FAA and their investigators will be leading this investigative process. At the time, y'all, when they crashed, they were actually involved in the pursuit of a vehicle. And I'm going to tell you more about this guy uh, and, and what happened in a minute. And But right after it happened, uh, Chief Murphy Paul, the Baton Rouge City Police Chief, who I worked directly with at State Police uh, for many years, he came out and made this statement. We're going to play a clip for you now. Today is a... Uh a very emotional day for the men and women of the Baton Rouge Police Department and all those in our law enforcement community. Right now, we're asking the community to lift our officers up in prayer, to lift the family members of the two heroes who we lost today. Y'all, and immediately after he got done speaking, Mayor Broome issued the following statement. She said, on behalf of the city of Baton Rouge, I extend my deepest condolences to the families and colleagues of the Baton Rouge Police Department officers who tragically lost their lives today in a helicopter crash. These officers served our community with distinction and bravery, and we'll be forever grateful for their service and sacrifice. We are working closely with the Baton Rouge Police Department to offer support for their investigation into the cause of this tragedy and to provide support to the families and colleagues of the fallen officers. We ask the community to keep the families of the fallen officers in their thoughts and prayers, and we express our heartfelt gratitude to all the first responder and agencies who have been working tirelessly to support our city during this difficult time. Y'all, it's a horrible day, and I've experienced too many of them over the years when when a police officer dies, okay? And um just at a loss for words. It affects so many people on so many levels, certainly directly their family members, but then you have all the, the everybody that loved them that's affected. And then on top of that, when they say, that, you know, the blue line and all that, it, it truly, law enforcement truly is a, a brotherhood and a sisterhood. When you put your lives in each other's hands every day, um, is a bond like being in a foxhole during war is the only thing I could, could re- correlate it to. And, and so it's just heartbreaking. There's a lot of unanswered questions, too, that, uh, you know, the obvious right off the bat is the time frame. Yeah. Um, and, you know, how, you, how do you lose track of a helicopter? And, yeah. and uh, so out of respect for – um, these fallen officers, of course, we we're going to, I guess, wait till more information gets released on before we, yeah, and we really know, dive too deep into and, that. And we know a lot already, but uh, uh, like you said, out of respect, you know, let's let's honor them now, and certainly the funerals and everything are going to be coming up, and we'll bring you more on it. But I'm I'm gonna tell you what ultimately led to this there was a vehicle pursuit y'all another vehicle pursuit remember we told you about the ones where the teenagers got killed the vehicle pursuit started in, in east baton ridge and went across the bridge in the west baton ridge well happened again 
Um, a 23-year-old man has been arrested and charged with two counts of manslaughter. DeAndre Dwayne Bessay of Baton Rouge was arrested after the deadly Baton Rouge City Police Department helicopter crash that killed two officers, Sergeant David Poirier, 47, and Corporal Scotty Canizero, 38. On Sunday, March 26th, at around 2.27 a.m., Baton Rouge Police Department was in pursuit of a 2014 Ford Mustang that had crossed into the West Baton Rouge Parish on I-10. Uh, the vehicle exited I-10 onto LA 415, and Bessay continued fleeing Baton Rouge City Police Department with reported speeds at or near 135 miles an hour. Air One was assisting y'all. That's the helicopter that David and um, Scotty were flying. Uh, Air One was assisting and trying to follow the Mustang around 2.35 a.m. The pursuit was terminated near the intersection of U.S. Highway 190 and Boucher Road by BRPD. West Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office was not in pursuit of this vehicle, but was responding to the area at the time. The pursuit was terminated by BRPD. Approximately 3.14 a.m., West Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office was dispatched to a home on Poiges Bayou Drive, in reference to a reported abandoned vehicle. The vehicle was later confirmed to be the 2014 Ford Mustang that had fled Baton Rouge Police Department earlier that night. West Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office says Bessay contacted the, the property owner and asked if he could get a ride to a nearby gas station because his car ran out of gas. After getting dropped off by the property owner, Bessay phoned a friend in Baton Rouge who picked him up and took him to his home in Baton Rouge. Nearly eight hours after the wreckage, Sergeant Poirier's father pinged his phone. When the phone showed up in the cane field, the dad went to the location but could not get to the crash site. That's when Sergeant Poirier's dad called West Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office around 10.48 a.m. requesting deputies to respond. That's when deputies found a Baton Rouge Police Department helicopter that had crashed. Both officers on board the helicopter died from their injuries. After deputies discovered the, the crash and fatalities, warrants were drawn up for Bessay's arrest. Bessay was arrested by the U.S. Marshal Task Force. Bessay has been charged with, again, two counts of felony manslaughter, one count of aggravated flight from an officer, and one count of felony aggravated obstruction of a highway of commerce. Upon Bessay's release from West Baton Rouge, he'll be booked in the East Baton Rouge Parish Prison on the following charges, aggravated flight and an officer and hit and run. So, so some interesting um, information there, and and I would imagine uh, what either people are going to have a few questions. For example, he's charged with two counts of manslaughter, which obviously, if this guy ain't fleeing, none of this happens. Right. Um, manslaughter under Louisiana law is defined when you show such lack of care that a reasonable person should have shown or would have shown and you cause someone's death. And so that's it. I mean, they would not been up pursuing this guy had he not been running. So ultimately, it's a trickle-down effect. He, he catches the charges for manslaughter, and he deserves them. 
So at a point, the ground pursuit was stopped? Yes. Remember I told you all before, that's a supervisor's decision. You're supposed to call in your location and the speeds. And I imagine when it was stopped on, uh, on our side of the river. And I imagine when they reached a certain point, they're like, supervisor's like, it's not worth it. He's running 135 miles an hour. Let him go. Now, back in the day, and I don't know why they changed it. I guess they must have gotten in trouble. But I specifically remember Mike Kaz, who's still the sheriff, and is going out this term. But anytime we had a pursuit that started in Livingston, went through East Baton Rouge, and ultimately, if they, we knew they were on the interstate headed towards West Baton Rouge, West Baton Rouge used to block off the Mississippi River Bridge, and they would shoot them. His, his policy was – no pursuits coming into my parish. You shoot them. Shoot, shoot up the vehicle. Do what you have to do to stop it. But obviously, then they don't do that anymore for whatever reason. Uh, and on top of that, West Baton Rouge Sheriff's Office what, didn't even have anybody close enough to see the vehicle or get into the pursuit. Right, and probably the recent case might have had right, right. an impact on their. Now, if you're if you're uh, in a ve- in a police vehicle. Involved in a chase and uh, there's aerial support, you're aware of that, right? Are you are you uh, you're conversing well, with uh, well, folks in the well, in the helicopter? You, normal? you could be, but that I'm, and I'm speculating, but I don't believe that um, that they even saw the vehicle. They, they they were up for less than twelve minutes. They would have had to find the vehicle, et cetera. It's been terminated. It's not like they. They have a unit right behind them saying, hey, we're on such such road so they can get above them. I believe they were trying to get in the area and perhaps pick up the vehicle. They knew uh, it was a Mustang and all that because they, they had pursued them for some distance before they terminated the pursuit. The okay. main thing of it is we'll, we'll bring you all more because I'm sure a lot more is going to come out of it. But the um, today's not the day to – throw shade on, on departments or whatever. All those brothers and sisters are hurting. And I don't mean just biological. I mean the the ones in blue. Um, horrible. And Poirier, I, like I said, Kenazera, I, did, I didn't, didn't, I mean, may have met him. Um, David Poirier, just one of the finest people you can meet and a true law enforcement professional. I think both of them last year won um, Officer of the Month. So, I mean, at the same time. And, like, don't be misled when they say 17-year veteran like Poirier and a 16-year veteran, Canizero, They, I can assure you they both had much longer police careers than that and, and ended up ultimately transferring to BRPD for the chance to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. So my heart's out to y'all. Rest in peace, brothers. So uh, we're going to move on to some some more disturbing news. Uh, this on the national front, and that is a shooting that has taken place at a Tennessee private Christian school that left three students and three adults dead on Monday. Uh, the shooter was killed by police. Now, the victims were killed in an attack at the Covenant School. Uh, officers engaged with and killed the shooter, identified as a 28-year-old female 
who was carrying two assault-type rifles and a handgun. The female was killed by police at around 10.30 a.m. local time. At one point, she was a student at that school. Uh, There was a vehicle nearby that gave the police kind of a clue of who she was, and police said the shooter entered the building through a side door before climbing stairs onto the second floor where she opened fire. They don't believe that she was wearing any body armor. Uh, Three young students were transported to the Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt with gunshot wounds. All three were pronounced dead upon arrival, and three more adults were also pronounced dead. All three of those adults were staff working at the school. Uh, The Covenant School, as we mentioned, is a private Christian institution for students up to sixth grade. And these were nine-year-olds. All all three of these children were nine years old, sadly. It's just unreal, you know, and it just seems commonplace now. Although um, being a female is not is not as common as male, right, Mike? I think you said there's only, there's only been, I think, three or four, right? But the fact that she was armed, she carried in two uh, assault rifles, whether they were uh, AR-15s or AKs, we don't know. But she carried in two and a pistol and went in there to slaughter innocent babies and innocent adults. And it's horrible. Um, Hats off to the two heroes that responded. It was two deputies that responded to the active shooter call. And I can remember when we did our first training way back in when after Sandy Hook is the name of the school. Yeah. After Sandy Hook, we changed our policy from surrounding the building and doing standoffs to if you have an active shooter, you go in to the sound of the gunshots and you eliminate the threat. And they did that with this piece of shit who murdered all these innocent people. And I mean, you know, an adult being murdered is one thing, but when you get three nine-year-olds who have their families and brothers and sisters and, you know, you send your kids to school thinking they're going to school and, and then they're murdered. Yeah. So there was a press conference, uh, And at that press conference, John Drake, who is the Nashville police chief, made a statement. uh, And we're going to play the clip and then we're going to talk about it. So here's that clip right here. Our investigations tell us that she was a former student uh, at the school. I don't know what grade she's attended or grades, but we do uh, firmly believe she was a student there. Did she identify as transgender? She does. identify as transgender, yes. Is there any reason to believe the shooter first went to the church before going to the school? Uh, I can't give you that information. I want you. We know that the minute the calls came in, we responded uh, to the church. Is there any reason to believe that how she identifies is has any motive for targeting the school? Uh, we can give you that at a later time. There is 
uh, some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads, and once we know exactly, we'll let you know. So was this a targeted attack? It was. Now, you heard in that clip that the shooter, which was a white 28-year-old Nashville woman, actually identified as a man and was considered transgender. Uh, She was engaged by police 14 minutes after the first call was made to police. And as you also heard in the clip, Police Chief John Drake said the shooting was a targeted attack. So on Monday afternoon, the FBI searches the home of the female shooter, and they find a manifesto along with maps of the school drawn in detail and points of entry were highlighted on these maps. Now, to tell you how the officers actually took this female down. They entered the first story of the school. They started clearing it. Uh, They heard shots coming from the second story and they went towards the gunfire. Uh, When the officers got to the second level, they saw the shooter and they engaged her and she was fatally shot by the responding officers. So uh, first of all, hats off to these brave, uh, officers that probably avoided uh, or what was avoided most likely was a lot worse situation. It was already bad enough with six dead, uh, but certainly could have been a lot worse and uh, just a horrible, horrible situation coming out of Nashville. Yeah. And and y'all there's, they've adapted the training uh, for these active shooter scenarios, uh, and I'm talking 20 years ago, I guess, when, when we started it. But there's a lot of things and safety measures in place that teachers are trained on now that when you hear gunshots, and I'm not going to tell you what they are, but there's things the that officers look for when they respond. But I, I remember doing the training, and I think um, it was one of these elementary schools. It was summertime and being out and we have what they call simunitions, which is like you're shooting real bullets, but it's not a lead bullet. And if you get hit, it hurts like hell. But, you know, going in there and not knowing who's who and having, having, you know, you're charging someone who is actively killing other people and it's, you got to kill them or they're going to kill you. Yeah. And I, and I'll tell you what, um, uh, it's becoming, you know, a little bit of a problem. And, and you talk about these officers that, that went in there, they went towards the gunfire, uh, just last week, uh, Kelly Jennings, who's been on real life for a crime and bloody and gold and all that did an interview with a guy named Max Shatner and his son was killed in the Florida Parkland school shooting. And he has become a huge advocate for, uh, uh, safety in schools, uh, which they're finding holes and issues with the SRO in that situation is known as the coward of Broward in the resource officer. Y'all, if you don't know. Yeah. And this, this SRO actually was hiding behind a wall. It's on video the entire time that this, this, uh, 17 year old, uh, piece of crap was killing 14 kids. I believe it was right. 
uh, and he's hiding behind the wall. Yeah. So that's that's the difference in folks going towards gunfire and folks yeah. shying yeah. away from it. Yeah. So uh, so a shout things. out to those guys. Absolutely. Uh, and it's not too long ago that. Uh, we're all watching the news coverage of what happened in Uvalde, Texas, and uh, and we know the you know the actions of both school officials and and other law enforcement there, and the delays in their actions presumably cost some people their lives. Uh, in in this particular case, uh, number one, I believe she shot her way into that door. That door was locked, right. and so this school was secure. It's that she. Uh, she was able to shoot her way in through that door, but for uh, them to get to her uh, quickly enough to, you know, I mean, no, uh, no number of deaths is acceptable, but they prevented a lot of additional deaths right. from right. happening and certainly what her, what her plans were. But when, when this first came across my phone, I saw the name Catherine Coons and, uh, and I saw her age, 60, and as we've from time to time discussed on this show, I'm 60, and I went to Vanderbilt, and there was a girl that I knew a little bit at Vanderbilt by the name of Catherine Kuntz. And so I went, oh, man, there's a good chance. And so I immediately went on to Facebook, and then I immediately went on to a Vandy chat that I'm – a part of, and then a minute later, uh, something came uh, out from the chancellor of Vanderbilt acknowledging uh, that it was her, and uh, uh, she was the head of school. She'd become a doctor, uh, you know, gotten her PhD, and and uh, you know that hits uh, that hits close to home uh, that way as uh, as well. And this is you know a really really nice part of Nashville, an area known as Green Hills, and uh, a school with, you know, very, very strong uh, reputation. The uh, the shooter had attended the school. Um, and we'll, we'll find out more, but the, the fact that they, that they had attended the school, that the police have said this was targeted, and the fact that the head of school was killed – Sort of makes me, you know, believe that uh, that when they say targeted, that that she was likely a uh, a target, and so we'll you know we'll learn what we learn obviously over the uh, over the next few days. But uh, you know, she also had uh, legally purchased, I believe, the rifles, and there was a third gun, a handgun she had that. It, was not for certain whether she had that one legally or not. Yeah, I don't know if you guys they'll, have, they'll find it all out. Have heard that, but uh, well, let me uh, tell you, um, the smallest magazine at one of the the assault rifles would have had would have been um, forty rounds. So that's eighty. If assuming that she didn't have more, and then probably 16 for the pistol. So she could have killed everybody in the building prop had those guys not stopped her. And it's just horrible for the families and your friend and, and everybody. And it's just crazy. 
Yeah, what that tells me when you have two rifles and uh, a pistol is that your intention was to kill a heck of a lot more people than you were able to kill. Right. So, awful. Nine-year-olds. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Let's move on, guys. There's an unbelievable story that that broke yesterday, and we're gonna we're gonna bring it to you as uh, uh, as it was laid out actually uh, on Facebook Live. This is I don't know if this has ever happened before, but this is a situation where uh, someone was actually on Facebook Live, uh, and over the next 10 minutes or so while they were on uh, Facebook Live, some incredible events unfolded, uh, all of which were, were caught on audio and much of which was caught on video. So let me tell you about this event. Um, this happened in Loudoun County, Georgia. The people involved were 28-year-old Khadija Brown, her husband, 28-year-old Jeremy Brown, and Khadija's mother was over at their apartment uh, cooking dinner. Now, there are four children. Those children uh, were not uh, part of the, uh, of the video through uh, the early parts of the video, uh, it's not clear where they were, whether they were in another room, whether they were outside. Um, somehow this is an apartment, so I think they were probably in another room, but the children don't emerge until the end. And so as we, uh, as we start watching the, the Facebook Live, you have um, – uh, Jeremy is not home. So the only people there are Khadija and her mother – and they are her mother's cooking in the kitchen. She never fully appears on camera. You see her from a distance, but it's never it's never clear. And you know they're they're talking about their situation. They're talking about uh, Jeremy, Khadija's husband, and a lot of the things that he is not doing that uh, Khadija is unhappy about. And it's it's clear the the women are. You know, sort of simmering and uh, and ready to you know, give Jeremy a little bit of uh, a hard time when he arrives. And so I'm going to play a clip for you that is the first minute and uh, a half or so of Jeremy's arrival back at the apartment and what happens. You know, people want to have something to say, but he ain't here with his kids. He ain't helping. Uh, he left where at six o. He left at six o six to go be with his mama. Instead of trying, why is there got to be a question about do do I need to cook for the kids? Why is there a question? He don't, he don't never have the question. He don't want to question everybody loyalty. But where is his loyalty? At? But he want to talk about me when I am not doing. He want to talk about me when I'm not doing. Uh, talk about unnecessary. Then he talking about calling the police. Talk about I'm gonna get my stuff. But you got four kids and a wife. It's 7:36. He came in 
be, he, can't even come here and cook for these kids. he can't come here and cook for the kids. He got to be at work at 8 No, matter of fact, he got to be at work at 9. Okay, but well, he still got time to cook for these kids. And then he got to go pick up his, he got to go pick up his buddy from, from, from his job, Law. Well, he need to tell Law, he need to find, get his mama car and go to work. He, he, he pick up his buddy Law, take him to work, back and forth every day. I ain't got nothing to but then, nobody, nobody, but, if but he can't put him, gas in both cars. So you can uh, you can tell that, uh, you know, there's they are not happy uh, with Jeremy, that uh, things were said by uh, Khadijah's mom, like, uh, uh, you know, he's not here with his kids. Uh, he always questions everyone's loyalty. He can't even come here to cook for his kids. He can't put gas in his car. Khadijah's mom's annoyed and says, you know, I've got stuff to do too, rather than having to be here cooking for, uh, for his kids. And, uh, uh, there's a lot of dissatisfaction expressed between the women. And then Jeremy arrives, but when he arrives, he's on the phone with someone as he walks in. And so, He's uh, not really engaging with them in the uh, first few moments when uh, when he gets in. It's it's what happens after uh, he gets off the phone. And here's the next two and a half minutes or so of what transpires. I'm over here. I got stuff to do, too. I'm over here. I'm over here putting the grip. Like no, you ain't trying to get ready for work. Look at him. This is sad case, y'all. He getting his stuff. Look at that. Sad case. As a father. Hey, Jeremy, what is the conversation you want to have? Yeah. And your baby in the room? Yeah, I've been taking no, care of 
Don't touch me again. Touch you. Jason, send that over here. We're making it easy. Send that over here. I'm gonna do it just like this. Send that over here. Ain't nobody think come over here and send do that Get your hands on me, bro. Stop touching me. Move me. Send that over here, Jason. So as you heard, Khadijah wanted to know who Jeremy was on the phone with. Then she refers to him as a sad case as he's, uh, I guess, getting ready to uh, to go to work. Uh, Khadijah and her mother question uh, Jeremy about a, quote, conversation he supposedly wants to have. So I guess there's some large discussion between the, the three of them that has been that they've been building toward, uh, but that hasn't been had. Uh, Khadijah is touching Jeremy, and it's clear that there's, uh, while the two are married, there's presently uh, difficulties, there's animosity, and uh, and Jeremy does not want to be uh, to be touched by uh, by Khadija. She, uh, he says to her mother, tell your daughter to keep her hands off of me. Uh, I'm not trying to argue, I'm just trying to get ready for work. So he's taking a pretty passive approach in the, uh, once the, the conversation starts and, uh, you know, Khadija's mom says, don't keep putting me in this situation. I'm over here doing for the kids. This is your family. You're supposed to be over here helping. So it's, it's really a two, uh, against one, uh, discussion with both of the women giving, um, you know, Jeremy a good lashing about his participation as a, uh, as a father and, and helping, around the house. Uh, Jeremy is asking Khadijah not to touch him. And you hear something that sounds like a slap in the video. So I believe at some point she slaps him and then uh, he says, don't touch me. And she says, touching, touching. So it's almost like, it's, you know, don't touch me. And then she puts a finger on him and don't touch me. And she puts a, a finger on him. So it kind of like, she's trying to be uh, cute with the, you're telling me not to touch you and I'm, and I'm touching you. And then the screen goes black. So the phone is, is obviously fallen from, uh, from her hand and we can hear the two beginning to tussle. The voices get louder and everything intensifies and you may not want to listen to this next clip. This, this next clip is what transpires over the next minute and a half um, from the point of the beginning of the tussle. And uh, you might want to skip forward if you prefer not hearing it. It's not for everyone, but here's what it sounded like. Ain't no bad, ain't no bad coming over here. Help me, bro. Sit down. Keep on I hand 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 h
have to get out my bed for this. Oh, you ain't getting that. Everything in the, in the top belongs to me. Get somewhere and sit down. Y'all, y'all gonna have to start pop out this. Then y'all wonder why the kids. So as you heard, as we heard, the argument escalated. Um, I counted Khadija's mother say the word stop at least 15 times during that period. But things just kept going until, you heard it, tragedy struck. We're not going to play the remainder of, uh, of the clip I believe it is still up on Facebook, but the very end, um, the children come into the room and discover their father and what has happened. And those screams that the children let out are just are are bone chilling. Um, you know, as are the as are the screams from Khadija and her mother when the gun goes off and it's uh, it's obvious that Jeremy is, is dead. And, uh, but in that moment, the it's springtime boys, the grass is green, the birds are chirping and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally, designed for long-term retention, speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 
50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Sayonara. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. And you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those roads, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Uh, only words... Khadija could seem to find is I'm going to go to jail is what she said. It's crazy. So um, according to Loudoun County Sheriff's office, uh, 28 year old Khadija Michelle Brown was arrested without incident. This all happened on Saturday, by the way, after they responded to a domestic violence call, the, uh, the statement said that Brown was charged with murder for fatally shooting Jeremy Brown. According to the county coroner, his name is Greg Merchant, uh, they confirmed Jeremy was Khadija's husband. The statement detailed that Jeremy and Khadija were allegedly engaged in a domestic dispute inside their home that became physical. I think we can all acknowledge that from what we've heard. The sheriff acknowledged that the entire dispute was streamed on Facebook Live. The phone has been had been thrown down and then you heard the shot, Sheriff Hawkins said, per the dispatch. Jeremy was declared dead at the scene where a 9 millimeter handgun and other suspected evidence was found, according to authorities. Khadija is being uh, detained at the Loundis County Adult Detention Center where she awaits her initial court appearance. Um, as for now, uh, as of now, there, there's not been any bond set. There was a history of domestic violence between, uh, between the two, uh, but uh, obviously, it, it went to a whole nother level, and we have yet another tragic and senseless death. I don't know if uh, somebody used the word uh, the word murder. Um, I, I mean, I guess, Woody, I, I don't, I mean, it's, uh, it's an argument that got crazy at some point, and it's unclear where the gun came from, how the gun comes out. It obviously was never... Uh, 
was never, uh, you know, pointed in a threatening way, uh, you know, stop, get out of here or I'll shoot, you know, nothing like that happened uh, somehow in the, in the tussle. Uh, there was a gun involved and the trigger went off and unfortunately uh, four children are without a dad Tr- this hey, morning. Triggers don't go off. The trigger was pulled. And I mean, we'll find out more as it comes out, but domestic violence calls are the most dangerous calls that police officers, more police officers get killed every year responding to domestic violence calls and all the other calls put together. And I've been on a thousand of them, and I used to tell them, first of all, uh, somebody had to leave or they were leaving with me. But secondly, I would tell them, and it, it, males too, and male and female, it, it, it was a repeated cycle. And I said, one day I'm going to come out here, and you're going to be dead. Yeah. Well, it sure seemed like, it's like whatever the this, history was in this particular case— Jeremy was trying to de-escalate what was going on there. Right. Um, the mother-in-law uh, was unfortunately, while she did say, she, she did yell stop the 15 times for right. the uh, the whole front end of this thing. Right. I mean, she was uh, adding fuel to the fire and, yeah. and instigating this. So, Well, it's another tragedy. Yeah, it's a good example of, um, you know, I don't think, Anybody intended for that to happen? That's a good example of how a situation can get out of control real, real fast if cooler heads don't prevail. And uh, and something horrible that neither one of those people planned on happening happened. Well, they and I agree with you on everything except for the planning part. Um, that's called specific intent, and the deal being is. If a mosquito lands on my arm right now, it just that fast. I'm like, if bite me, I look down and realize it's bite me, and I slap it. Before I slapped it, I had specific intent. That's how fast it is. I did. I would believe if it comes out, more we'll wait and see. If it comes out, if she pulled the pistol at any point, pistols don't go off by themselves. But but the reaction, the spontaneous reaction of the screaming, and yeah. I mean, it. It sure sounds like an accident. Um, there are no accidents for firearms. So somebody had to pull the trigger. And why Brent break out a firearm anyway? Yeah. Uh, uh, deal is, if you break out a firearm and I'm trying to disarm you and take it away from you and you shoot me, it's still murder. Yeah, well, we don't know. I mean, could have been in his pocket, not her. I mean, it, well, All you hear is them tussling, right? So, well, what if a frog's ass was glass and it broke every time it jumps? Right? We'll find out. The, the, uh, I mean, we guess it could have. Been, I, I needed that. It could have I, mag- I, I needed that. It quote. could have magically fell from the sky and hit somebody in the head, and and their eyelash pulled the trigger. I mean, whatever. The common sense is gonna. But we'll we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll keep you all updated. All right. So we're gonna move. Uh, Move on to a story that that has garnered a, a lot of attention. I can actually remember when uh, this situation first happened, and now they have a sentencing in place for Aiden Fucci, who uh, who is a Florida teenager sentenced just this week to life in prison for fatally stabbing 13-year-old Tristan Bailey 
more than 100 times in 2021. Now, just before his trial was set to begin in February, the 16-year-old pled guilty to first-degree murder for stabbing Tristan when he was 14 and leaving her body in the woods at the end of a cul-de-sac near her house. And that was on Mother's Day. Bucci received the maximum sentence for murdering the young cheerleader, which Tristan's family had stressed in court that they wanted. Aiden Fauci made a heinous decision on May 9th, 2021, and took the very life that I brought into this world, Tristan's mother was quoted as saying. Please do not think for one second that he could be rehabilitated at any point. He is beyond savings. Now, since Aiden is a juvenile, he was not eligible for the death penalty, and he is eligible to have his case reviewed after 25 years, allowing a judge at that time to consider a lesser sentence. Tristan was found dead on May 9, 2021, after her parents reported her missing, and she had been stabbed 114 times, y'all. When Fucci was arrested on May 10th, 2021, he posted a selfie on social media of him in the back of a patrol car giving the peace sign, the Woody Everton peace sign. That's crazy. With the caption, hey, guys, has anyone seen Tristan lately? Uh, wow. He's not going to live. He subsequently made several admissions of guilt, and authorities said they believe his clothing stained with blood as well as a hunting knife uh, believed to be the murder weapon were in a nearby pond. Now, days before Tristan's killing, Fuji told his girlfriend, that he planned on killing someone, though he didn't specify who it was going to be. Why his girlfriend at that point didn't tell her parents that, I, I don't know. I'm sure she thought he was just talking shit. Right. Uh, he said it would be at night, he would drag someone into the woods, and he would stab them, and it would happen within a month. He said he would act innocent, keep killing, and run away. Uh, told all that to his girlfriend. Now, Fucci's attorneys said he has suffered from mental illness issues. And, of course, attorneys are going to say that every right. time someone kills somebody. Uh, during a pretrial conference via video, Fucci was heard talking about demons, saying, please don't let the demons take my soul. The demons are going to take my soul away. Whatever. Fucci then asked, what's going on? And then says, why am I here? I just want to talk to my mom and dad. What's going on? Yeah, but you can post it on Facebook, right? Right. In a letter to the court, Fucci did apologize to Tristan's family, saying, I'm sorry for all the pain I caused the Bailey family. I'm sorry to the friends, brothers, sisters, mom, dad, and any relatives. I'm sorry you didn't get to know her that long. You did not have long relationships with her. And for that, I'm sorry. He's sorry he got caught. That's the only thing he's sorry for. Fuji's grandmother asked the judge not to sentence him to life in prison, saying, please don't take him out of our lives forever. I know there's some good in Aiden, and what do you say it all the time? Even in the worst of people, they have somebody that loves Generally, them. Generally, right. So Fuji's mother, Crystal Smith, also sent a letter asking for a lighter sentence, saying he is not beyond saving but she is also charged in the case and this is where it gets real interesting crystal smith is actually charged with tampering with evidence in her son's murder case uh she allegedly washed blood off her son's jeans 
and she's got a trial scheduled to start in April. Authorities say they found his clothing stained with blood as well as a hunting knife, which they believe to be a murder weapon in a nearby pond, and the knife was missing a tip, which authorities say was found uh, in Tristan's body. Let me tell you something. All the murders, stabbings I've worked over all the years, a hundred and something is the most. I mean, that I've ever heard of. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest one I ever had was 57 stab wounds. Yeah. And it it also, I mean, she put up a fight. Yeah. I mean, talk about a heart, because they said something like 40 of those wounds were identified as defensive Defensive wounds. Right. So. Uh, so this guy more, just kept swinging even, at her and swinging at her and swinging at her. Horrible. It, it, yeah. Usually the defensive wounds, it, you know, to your hands and cutting your fingers off is horrible. Yeah. And baby girl. And yeah. then his mother, you know, basically trying to cover this up. Yeah, they, she, she's going to get hers too. They also obtained a surveillance video uh, from the home, which reportedly shows the mother going to her son's bedroom after he was taken to the sheriff's office. In that video, she is seen retrieving a pair of blue jeans, washing them in a nearby bathroom, and then returning the pants to her own bedroom. The uh, Smith was also seen with another witness inspecting jeans several times before returning the clothing to her son's bedroom. Mm -hmm. So she was going through everything. And the sheriff says Crystal Smith will be held responsible for a role in the case and justice will be served. And she could be one of the dumbest criminals too, right? How the hell do you not erase your own home surveillance system when you're getting rid of evidence? Right. Fucci uh, is being held without bond at an undisclosed adult, prison facility in Florida, but he is being kept separate from other inmates. Yeah, because they'll never have a time with him for sure, right? And uh, horrible, horrible crime. Um, I remember I watched the video at the victim's impact statements, and I think it was his sister, or I mean, her sister or aunt, that got on the witness stand, and they had a big glass jar, and she had these little glass Stones in the shape of a heart. How many? How many stab wounds was it? One hundred fourteen. She she dropped in one hundred fourteen of these one at a time, and she said each one of these represents you stabbing our baby girl. Wow, one hundred fourteen. Very awful. dramatic. And then the For judge, sure. the judge, really ripped into him, and and it was like, yeah, okay, you're going. Hopefully, if we're lucky, that uh, mom will get put in a cell with your girlfriend, Lori Vallow, who yeah, uh, maybe looking for a roommate. Put her in the cell with Shabusiness. <laughs> she won't last long with Shabusiness around. There's no doubt about it. So hopefully uh, hopefully the family, though, in all, in, in all seriousness, will yeah, get some sort of closure on this now that this case is wrapping up. Yeah, it's never, ever closure. Unfortunately, even solving cold cases or whatever after 18 years and it's never closures, just a different chapter. Uh, they, but some what a satisfaction that they know this person won't get to do it again to anyone else. Let's move on, guys. Let's move to a place I've spent a lot of time uh, at over the years, Rochester, New York. So, we hear every day about people 
identifying as something different than uh, than they were biologically uh, assigned with, if uh, if you will, at birth. And we have a unique one here. We have a man who is calling himself Baby Danielle. Mm. He's a 65-year-old New York man who repeatedly broke into a daycare center, stole diapers, and left money behind, along with bizarre notes for the staff that asked them to please, quote, play along while acting as if he were a baby girl. Mm. The Monroe County Sheriff's Office arrested this guy, Daniel Sealer, again, age 65, after he allegedly broke into the Inspire Learning and Child Care Center in the town of Clarkson, which is about 20 miles west of Rochester. The center's director told the authorities that an employee found $120 and a note that asked if the daycare center had any adult-sized diapers and if employees could play along with him. This was reported by WHAM, WHAM, a radio station up in Rochester I knew well back in the day. The director said staff found a similar note accompanied with $200 a week later. This all inspired the daycare center to install a surveillance system and to alert police. And so, and most of this is happening in January and February of this year. And so uh, on the morning of February 11th, a Saturday, the surveillance system alerted staff of activity at the daycare center. Upon arrival at the facility, the director said she found someone had rummaged through the diaper bin and left another note and more money. The note reportedly included sizes for pants, shoes, bras, and dresses, and indicated that the man wanted to play as a baby girl and referred to himself as, quote, Baby Danielle. Lord. The following Saturday, so now we're at Saturday, February 18th, staff were again alerted by the security system, and video showed a man trying to put multiple diapers together to make a big one. The director said the man ran into the bathroom during the incident, pulled down his pants, put the diaper on, then put his pants back on and ran out of the child care center. <laughs> the director called the police again and reported what she saw in the video. The incident also included this guy, Sealer, allegedly drinking half a bottle of baby formula, using a bib and stealing a total of three diapers. Wow. You guys have been. Very patient with me on this story. I expected you to, to jump in soon. Sealer was arrested and charged with burglary and petite larceny. He was released after an appearance ticket. Not positive what an appearance ticket is, but That's Woody uh, Overton will tell us all about that in a, a minute. Promise to appear just like a speeding ticket. It, when you sign it, you're not admitting guilt. It's just saying that you're going to show up for court. But I can't believe that they released this asshole because he's not going to stop. Well, I guess somehow they've decided he isn't dangerous to anyone other than, you know, he's nuts, yeah, well, but he's fine. not. Because well, police said Sealer confessed to the string of incidents and argued that he was, quote, working through addiction. Mm. The daycare center owner said staff did not, did not know did not know Sealer and that they have since boosted security measures at the at the facility. Um, I'm pretty sure I'd be taking my kid out of there. 
Okay, so I, I, I've heard all kinds of uh, of craziness. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Matt Walsh wrote a book about being about a kid who identifies as a walrus that uh, that sold billions yeah. of copies earlier this year. I've heard of, uh, of of kids identifying as as animals. We have a sixty five year old man who. Uh, believes he's yeah. or at least wants everybody to believe he is a baby to the point where the guy's drinking formula uh, uh, to the point and then when, when you're eating i was thinking ben he's taking those diapers and putting them together to make one big one but i i have to think he's freaking crazy because why don't you just go to the store and buy some depends you know what i'm saying but he wanted to be in there where it smells like babies and babies' toys, and he drinks some baby formula. Yeah, but hey, but at least he left money. Yeah. He did leave money. I'm surprised he didn't leave a poo poo diaper anywhere because oh, that would have, you know, if he's well, really no, no, trying to sell this. That's in. the way poo poo in a diaper and, and having it on you, he wants somebody to change it. But he, he, he wouldn't have left any poo poo in there, he left the poo poo in his diaper. Yeah, that's, well, that's a, part of the. Yeah. That's part oh, of the, trying to get to well, maybe he was working toward right. toward that when they sort of. I wonder if he nipped could, all this when he when he did it and cleaned his own ass if he used baby powder and all that <laughs> shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Lift your legs up in the air like you do when you kid. You wipe the shit off. <laughs> I bet he has baby wipes, a lot of baby powder, maybe even some bath <laughs> Dog, Chat, All I have to say ass. about that is, <laughs> right, uh, it really takes all kinds to make the world go. Yeah, and I. I'd just like to say that Pampers, if you would like <laughs> yeah, a sponsor. Or a Johnson <laughs> baby, powder. Or well, Johnson what, baby uh, powder. What is yeah, weird so. is that if he was identifying as a female baby, what did he need bras for? Probably one of nursing bras. <laughs> what a sick, what a sick. sick whip baby. it out and he can get that milk when it had to be formed. This guy here. Whew. Whoa, boy. That's a that's a really good story. I mean, what do you say about that? <laughs> Only in Rochester. Holy shit. Only in Rochester. I wanted to have a little uh intro music for everybody out there ready for today, but I just forgot to do it. So on this day in crime. Dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. I know y'all been waiting on this, and we have some pretty good ones. Uh, guys and listeners, did you know that on this day in 1971, Charles Manson and his three followers received the death penalty for seven murders committed in 1969? The state actually abolished the death penalty for a short time, so all these sentences were Converted to life sentences. So Charles Manson. Charles Manson. What y'all think about that? Well, it's a skelter. I think he should have got. Are you fight. mad you didn't bring cupcakes today? Since it was on this day in crime, and we had Charles Manson. Nineteen ninety three. <laughs> the bodies of Charlie Kiever and Jonathan Sellers, and I actually remember this case, are found in San Diego near the Ote River. Eight years later, in 2001, a DNA d database identified Scott Erickson as a suspect. And based on this DNA, uh, they were able to uh, they were able to ch charge and have him 
convicted of this crime. Now, he was already in prison for a rape committed six months after the boys who were 9 and 13 were murdered in 1993. So, in 1993, DNA was way in its infancy. Like, very, yeah, very, very beginning. So, uh, so he left a lot of that behind and ended up getting caught in 2001. Now, in 1995, the body of a woman is found in Holt, California. She was inside a refrigerator and was killed by blunt force. Her identity is unknown, and her murder remains unsolved. Mm-hmm. Crazy to this day. So that go. is your day in crime for March 29th. There you go. <laughs> Unbelievable use of technology. That's great. Uh, that was awesome. So, all right, y'all. <laughs> Continuing along that, I want to, I want to do a segment of which we've been thinking about for a while, and it is stupid crooks. Okay. Now this dun, dun, dun. <laughs> stupid crooks. Well, I don't know how to turn that off. <laughs> oh, shit. My goodness! <laughs> Holy smoke! <laughs> Sorry, uh, this doesn't include any escape convicts in Virginia, right? They're, right. they're not in this. Uh, all right, this crime occurred on July twenty first, twenty sixteen. A man receives. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say that for the end. Well, I guess I got to tell it. So a man earned himself a three-year sentence for the vicious crime of giving someone else the wrong tattoo. Mm. Now, I've heard about people going in the tattoo parlors and getting what they wanted written in Chinese on them and shit, and, and a Chinese person saying, hey, that actually says, you know, mm. eat a bag of dicks or whatever, and not uh, – my life is whatever, but this twenty-one-year-old uh, lady strolled into a tattoo shop with the hopes of getting a yin yang symbol. Symbol, what she got instead was a penis permanently drawn on her body, along with a popular word that begins with an F. Now I've been asked to cut back on the F word, I'm pretty sure it means fuck. So <laughs> while miscommunication often plays. A part in tattoo mishaps, this is definitely not one of those situations. The woman described exactly what she was looking for, and the tattoo artist even drafted up a preview, showing it to her before drawing what was supposed to be that same image on her body. Simple, right? Yeah. You know, Mike? So, yeah, you, you know, yeah. I mean, I got a couple of little things that the this is my wedding ring that my wife and I have. That they sketched out ahead of time and went in and got it done, right? That's what you do. You have a yin yang on your ass too, don't you? Uh, <laughs> I thought you did. No, I, I have. A, you mentioned that. N- no, no, I don't. Okay. The, um, <laughs> thanks for looking at my <laughs> ass. I appreciate it. See? It's a shiner bottle. Yeah, yeah. Shiner bottle. <laughs> I have what's the only thing tattooed on my ass says exit only. All right, so now, so it's simple, right? Um, so she gets her tattoo done. You know, they wrap it up, put a little Vaseline on it or whatever, and send them on home. Well, she gets home. She, she's proud. She wants to see her shit, right? She, she looks under the bandage, and she realized that the guy had given her something she didn't ask for. 
That's when she reported the incident to police. <laughs> Y'all, he drew or he made a tattoo of a penis, right? And when she reported to police, if you find yourself asking why he would do such a thing, so did the cops. And they, so they wouldn't ask him, you know what he said? Just because. And so he got a three-year sentence, and he will reportedly be placed in the center for mentally abnormal oh, yeah. offenses. Where was the tattoo? What part of it's her body? On her back. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. So she couldn't see. She it couldn't during see the, it, and okay. so I'm sure she was face down, and uh, he put, he's putting it. <laughs> I wonder how big crazy. it was. I mean, the yin yang symbol. We wish you investigate that burger but anyways was there a picture of that there was no uh, photo stupid the, the the i'm sure if there was uh, you get censored like me on facebook like you can have a murder on facebook but you can't have a, a dick pic but anyway the <laughs> three-year sentence for tattooing a penis on a woman who asked for a yin yang sign that is today's stupid crooks segment hey just because just it, because it, it Definitely deserves good to be in any. the uh, stupid crooks. Um, uh, I would love to see what she did to try and alter that, right? to turn it into so something have, else. So, I was thinking about that earlier when I was reading this. And they, they have specialists who right? can turn pretty much any tattoo in anything. Maybe so, like maybe a long neck dinosaur or something. Yeah, yeah, a giraffe. Or maybe she'll get, um, maybe it'll look like. A, a piece of flat Wrigley's bubble gum on top and then some hairy bubble gum on the bottom. Hey, <laughs> 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 uh, setting some hairy bubble gum. All right. Hey, guys. I'm quit. All right. By popular demand. Yes. Especially after the way we started this episode, <laughs> we need a game. Yes. We need a game. And I was inspired, uh, Last week, when we were doing the story about the escaped convicts and we started talking about Andy Dufresne and right. Shawshank, and everyone seemed to know yes. an awful lot about Shawshank. Yes. And so I have a Shawshank trivia game oh, that I have uh, prepared for you, you guys. You need to download so, this so we can hit the buzzer at the same time. Okay. Okay. No, no, this will not this? require oh, a buzzer, but buzzer. this will okay. require a pen. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. And uh, that's, uh, that's Jim's name. Take this. And there are uh, there are. That's 10, one way to win. <laughs> there are there are ten questions, most of which have uh, uh, A, B, C, and D as choices, or true or false. Um, and so it'll be uh, pretty easy for you guys to write down, and then we'll we'll go over them at the end. All right. Okay. No peeking, Jimmy. No peeking. I won't look. Okay, so question number one. Two actors actually turned down the role of Andy Dufresne prior to Tim Robbins being offered the role. Were those two actors A, Tom Hanks and Nicolas Cage, B, Kevin Costner and Jeff Bridges, C, Tom Hanks and Kevin Costner, or D, Kevin Hart and Chris Tucker? Question two. Tom Hanks had a conflict and could not take on the role of Andy Dufresne because of what 
other movie he was filming? A, was it Sleepless in Seattle? B, was it Philadelphia? C, was it Forrest Gump? D, was it Saving Private Ryan? Here's a little clue with that one. The film Hanks actually ended up doing beat out Shawshank for best picture. Yeah, I was going to say, don't give a clue. I already knew it. (laughs) Okay. Three, finish this quote. And this is a quote that Andy Dufresne supposedly said to his wife during the confrontation they had when he caught her with another man. I'll see you in hell before I see you in blank. Is blank A, Reno? B, Las Vegas? C, New York? Or D, Boston? I'll see you in hell before I see you in blank. Question four. What was Tim Robbins' call sign in the original Top Gun movie? Was he A, Merlin? B, Jester? C, Hollywood? Or D, Wolfman? Question five. Brooks, who was played by James Whitmore, kept a pet bird. What was the bird's name? A, Polly? B, Petey? C, Red, or D, Jake? What was the name of Brooks's bird? Question six. What girl did Andy get for his 10th anniversary from Red? Was it A, Rita Hayworth? B, Lana Turner? C, Marilyn Monroe? Or D, Jane Russell? Okay, seven's a a little bit more uh, difficult, so you're going to write uh, you're going to write four names uh, down, and then you're going to write uh, four other names down and match them. So we're matching the actor to the character they played. So the four actor names are A. Clancy Brown, B. Morgan Freeman, C. Hold on, sir. So I got to write all these down. I'm I'm just putting first names. Clancy Brown, Morgan Freeman. C is James Whitmore. D, actually a buddy of mine from L.A., Gil Bellows is D. The characters are A, Brooks Hatlin, B, Tommy, he's never given a last name in the movie. C, Captain Hadley. And D, Ellis Boyd Redding. So match the name on the left, the actor's name, to the role on the right. Give you guys a few seconds to do that. He's fast today. Come on, Jim. By far the best prison movie of all time. Okay, I mean, moving the most, on. The most Number realistic. eight. 
True or false, Shawshank was a real prison. Nine, what state was Shawshank located in? Was it A, New Hampshire, B, Massachusetts, C, Rhode Island, or D, Maine? Question 10. What was the warden's name? Was it A, Warden Pope? B, Warden Norton? C, Warden Dollison? Or D, Warden Hazen? A, Warden Pope, B, Warden Norton, C, Warden Dollison, D, Warden Hazen. All right, let's do it. If you guys are tied, I have a bonus question <clears throat> at the end. I like that. So let's just, let's just tally who's got them right. The two actors who turned down the role of Andy Dufresne prior to Tim Robbins accepting it were? C. C. C, Tom Hanks and Kevin Costner. Correct. Question two. Tom Hanks had a conflict and could not take on the role because of what movie? B. D. The correct answer is C, Forrest Gump, which would later win the Academy Award for Best Picture over Shawshank Redemption. So you both got it wrong. You both still have one. Finish the quote. I'll see you in hell before I see you in... D. D. They both say Boston. The correct answer is A, Reno. Mm. You're both still tied at one. What was Tim Robbins' call sign in the original Top Gun movie? A, Merlin. Correct. Both times, it was Merlin. You guys are tied at two. Jim Machine. That was not. <laughs> Brooks, played by James Whitmore, kept the pet bird. What was the bird's name? D. B. D. Jake. Also the name of my little yes. pooch, uh, Jake. Correct. So you both have three now. No, he missed it. He said oh, B. No, I said B. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said D. He's up by one. Okay, so it's three, two. I Sorry. don't do names, but we're okay. good. What girl did Andy get for his 10th anniversary from Red? D. And, you know, I, I should have. Not uh, Raquel table. Welch I, was I, not an option, but he had Raquel. Yeah, I went with C, but I know that was too late. What do you mean it was too late? Because I, he, the, the stars got more famous as went on, and he was only in 10 years. Marilyn Murray probably was in diapers, but I went with C. You were correct. Oh, well, I'm so, sorry there, Jim. Boom. <laughs> so it was Marilyn Monroe. Dang. So we're tied back. So it's tied 3-3. Okay, so match the actor to the character they played. A, Clancy Brown. I did Tommy. I don't know. I also did Tommy. That would be incorrect. All right, so we're still tied. Morgan Freeman. Brooks. I did Ellis writing. His name was Red, Woody. Yes. Oh, that's right. Ellis Boyd Redding. All right. James Whitmore. I did Captain whatever. He was Brooks. All right. And James my Whitmore. Can I answer? I, okay. I did Brooks. Oh, didn't we just say that? Sorry, yeah. Was, yeah. So well, I'm you up said two. that before. Yeah. You, you, you got two there. Yep. And then the last one. Gil Bellows was wrong. Tommy. And what'd you, 
Did you have that one right also? No, I missed that one. I had Captain H. All right. So the only saving grace I have left is if I get all three of these correct and Jim gets one of them wrong or we tie. Go ahead. Number eight. Yeah. A little bewildered as to how uh, you screwed that one up, Woody. But uh, number eight. I I can't do names. I told you that. Shawshank was a real prison. True or false? I said false. False. That is correct. It was not a real prison. It's false. What state was Shawshank located in? B. Our album would be also. It was D, Maine. It was located in Portland, Maine. And no way I can catch him now. Yeah. What was the warden's name? B. B is correct. Warden Norton. Did you have that one, Woody? I'm not even... I'm not even. It's like it's like uh, toilet flush. It's like uh, Texas Hold'em. If I'm a fold, I'm not showing you my okay. hands. Warden, warden. <laughs> By the way, the other warden names: Warden Pope was from Prison Break. C. Warden Dollison was from Escape from Alcatraz. Prison Break D, was a great show. Warden Hazen was from The Longest Yard. Warden Burl Kane used to be from Angola. Y'all go listen to Bloody Angola. If you like uh, whoever was mailing the posters to Andy Dufresne in prison, you have your own small business and you don't want to go to the post office anymore, or USPS or UPS or anybody else, go to stamps.com use code rlrc get a four-month free trial discount on your stamps and hey how much money and time will you save on not having to drive when they'll pick all that stuff up lots at your house? and lots and lots hey one I last one, one last yeah. bit of trivia which was going to be my bonus question where was shawshank filmed a california b maine c ohio in, d in, in louisiana in america maine Definitely wasn't Louisiana. It was actually filmed at the Ohio State Reformatory <sighs> in Mansfield, Ohio. And if you, you guys got to work on your Shawshank. If you are selling inmate goods, uh, and since you can't go to the you, the post, post office, et cetera, you can probably go to stamps.com and enter code RLRC. Y'all save you time and money. And if you're locked down, you probably can't get drizzly inside the big house. But you might do stamps.com. Hey, and you get a four-week free trial. You right. get a free and, and, scale. And, and discount on stamps and everything else. Yeah, and you get a free No scale. commitment. No and, commitment. And, hey, you know free what? Postage. I hate going to the post office, period, or U- USPS or whatever. So y'all give these folks a shot. Tell them, use the code so you can get all your discounts. Yep. All right. And y'all, we, we ran a little long today, but it was a good show. Again, the um, – I I know my heart goes out to the officers' families, to the victims of the, the school shooting, um, prayers, whatever deity you believe in, um, offer something up for everybody that loved and knew these people. Hey, share it, the podcast, tell all your friends, check out the Facebook if you hadn't done so already, Real Life Real Crime Daily. And uh, until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavino. For real life, real crime daily. Peace. Show business. 
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.